0: Uh, let's do the last name thing. Mich- Michelini? Yeah, I know. I could say I was <laughs> waiting for you. So, yeah.
1: Michelini? Is that correct? Uh, mic- yeah, Michelini. 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 It's okay. okay.
0: That's that's Irish, right? <laughs> This is Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. Today, you guys, we're going to talk to Mike about his vast knowledge of Asia and Hong Kong and all the wonderful things you can do there as an entrepreneur. And uh, as I hear, I haven't been there. Business and life is booming in that region of the world. So, Mike, welcome to the show. And tell us, uh, how did you get your start as an entrepreneur? And
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on the show, Chris. Sure. So, my story, I mean, I remember uh, selling candy bars. You know, it's a Boy Scout, you know, fundraising and delivering newspaper. not uh, You know, white pages, yellow pages. So, you know, I think uh, we're always think an entrepreneurial but maybe technically I started uh, for me I, I wish I could say I quit I dropped out of college but I did finish college and I did get a job I worked on Wall Street at uh, Deutsche Bank oh really I didn't uh, know that. yeah yeah I was on 60 Wall Street and I lived in a couple different places in Manhattan but I was I was living on the island barely, like full-time for almost five years and I was uh, always doing a side hustle. I know there's a lot of podcasts about the side hustle. So I was mm-hmm. side hustling on eBay and my own websites. Um, even further back, uh, I was helping with mobile app marketing with one of my friends that took a senior design project and uh, turned into a business and I was marketing for him. And that's where I started figuring out I loved online business. So I just started selling stuff online and turned into bar products, which everybody always jokes about, but I started selling cocktail shakers and bottle openers, Mm -hmm. and there was just no competition. It's not the biggest market, but it was doing enough for my partner, which was my best friend from my hometown. Uh, We were sharing a studio apartment in Manhattan and uh, sharing one laptop, to be completely honest, and (laughs) and, uh, selling on eBay and figuring out websites. I was doing tech stuff and online marketing. He was kind of doing the uh, fulfillment uh, you know, finding logistics and uh, we're splitting customer service and just kept growing it to the point where in 2007, we we're already buying from China in 2005, maybe late 2005, started that in 2004, started buying from China, maybe late 05 uh, and then enough to kind of not maybe not live in Manhattan, but to live. So quit my job in uh, early 2007 and uh, actually didn't go to China right away, but went to San Diego. Um, the 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 exciting part was my friend from my hometown in Connecticut was like, "Hey man, uh, I got an extra room in San Diego on Ocean Beach, two blocks from the beach. You know, don't worry about uh, contracts; just pay me month. Just give me a month notice. Um, 400 bucks. You know. Um, and then at the same time, my lease was up in Manhattan, and my bonus just hit Deutsche Bank on Wall Street. It was like, you know, it was a late bonus uh, in G- January, but I was like. All right, I'm gonna wait another year for bonus. You know, I got to sign a year contract, but I got this door in San Diego, so I was just like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna become full time, and uh, making like thousand fifteen hundred fifteen hundred maybe take home. Uh, so I was paying four hundred rent, and the rest, you know, travel and had some savings and stuff like that, and just it just uh, led me to basically went to a trade show and trade show in China mm-hmm. that same year in the in the fall. Didn't think I could possibly live here, and started just talking to other people that are like, "You don't have to stay in America, or you don't have to stay where you are." And the four-hour work week had just come out in 2007. Literally, one of my friends like, this is like, "This guy's blog is awesome. I bought his book, but I think it's better for you." He didn't have time to read it, and he gave it to gave it to me in <laughs> San Diego, okay. and I was like, "Dude, I'm already kind of doing half of this stuff," um, and I was like, "Yeah, like so." I just decided to stay. Well, I didn't stay in China, but I went back to the US for Christmas. Told my parents I'm going to move to China and they're like, this <laughs> guy, they already kind of given up on me cuz I quit the I quit the, you know, six-figure job and I was like 25 or so and I uh uh-huh. um, you know, I had already like was living in California, so they had already kind of loosened up, but went out to China and started doing sourcing for my own business and others and just riding this insane roller coaster mm-hmm. which uh we could dive into there's tons of different angles <laughs> i could share anything you you or your listeners are interested in
0: now you're running global from and also um your own personal blog mikesblog.com did you when did you start global from asia
1: yeah i mean i you know i'm in the we're both in the dynamite circle which is which has really been amazing I, at least for me i'm sure for, for you and others mm-hmm. but uh I was at the Diamond Circle, BKK, DCPKK 2013, and Dan is uh, up there telling everybody to start a podcast. And he had been telling me as well as others, I think, to He tells everybody to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to do a China-based business one because uh, uh, I kind of wanted to be a little bit more international. Mm-hmm. And then the next slide was like, he's like, somebody should start a podcast about Hong Kong. Uh, I think it would be really well. I know there's tons of people asking me about it. And and I was in the, in the audience, and I was just like, you know, there's that sexy skyline of Hong Kong, which everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, and I remember talking to him after. I'm like, dude, I don't really live in Hong Kong. I go there a lot. I live in China, but I don't want to talk about just China business. I want to kind of have the Asia international. And he's like, you don't have to live in Hong Kong to do a podcast about Hong Kong. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, a, mm-hmm. picked a domain literally there. You can look it up on the Whois database. And uh, it was like October, you know, mid to late October 2013 and figure out how to make a podcast and, and, and te- uh, it's
0: expanded.
1: Yeah. And technically you just
0: live across the river from Hong Kong, right?
1: Literally, uh, if I said send a picture, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a bridge, uh, at Hong Kong as, as we do this. So
0: yeah, it's like living in Oakland and doing a, it's okay if you do a podcast on San Francisco, if you lived in an Oakland, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of hacks, but I've, even when I was in New York city, I, I went to college in Jersey and, uh, and uh, you know they they get called the B and T. I don't know if you know that the bridge and tunnel. Um, so sometimes the Manhattan people. Although I lived there for a few years, mm-hmm. but if you know you're coming in on weekends, and you got to leave before the the last, uh, you know sub train goes back to Jersey or something, you know. And uh, but uh, it's a lot of optimizing. There's there's a lot of pros and cons about which side, yeah, of uh, Shenzhen or Hong Kong or China or Hong Kong live in.
0: Now, tell us about Global From Asia. What are you guys doing? I know you've got a lot going on and how you're helping your sure. customers.
1: Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, right off the bat when I launched it in 2013 uh, at the event, people were interested. In, and the biggest rule I think you would you would also tell people is start collecting emails as soon as possible. So as soon as I registered a domain, I I started collecting emails with a landing page telling people the podcast is coming and and uh, so I always try to listen to what people's problems are or you know or requests are which I think a podcast or, or content marketing is great for so I started with the ebook uh, Hong Kong supercharged which was kind of like the definitive guide to opening and maintaining a business in Hong Kong uh, and we had the video series and did that uh, all those different internet marketing tricks but still seemed like people wanted the actual service which I was an affiliate or other service providers, but they still wanted to kinda of have that uh personal touch and work with somebody that, you know, they had a relationship with like me, so I started actually doing the service. Um we can go into times, but you know, within a year and a half or so I started offering the service without really putting it on the website, but just offering it to people. And, you know, that that's been uh interesting because i get to really work closely with people and uh and then uh, been making more courses so we have more more online courses for a little bit more wide range like just kind of like optimizing your online international business so we talk about managing online teams and we talk about uh of course restructuring your company and hiring staff overseas as well as uh, uh where to where to incorporate your business and stuff like that so it's uh, it's kind of a wide range for sure. We actually start doing events now. So our big event is Cross Border Summit in Shenzhen mm-hmm. in April, and it's gonna be our second annual. But we want to have, we've done some smaller like cross border trips within Shenzhen and Hong Kong, going to go into different uh, Chinese companies or or e commerce companies. So we've mostly found a lot. And Amazon FBA is taking over the whole world. So there's tons of FBA sellers that. Want to set up in hong kong and source from china and you know uh, optimize their business structures and so a lot of our a lot of our listeners and our uh you know our clients are fba businesses and uh, i recently took a equity partner in the service side of it with a a local hong kong cpa um so while global from asia is still my my brand and my business i took the service side because it gets really hands-on and i I think you and a lot of listeners still want to have that flexibility so I decided to take a partner um, in the services so we have two offices in Hong Kong and local staff and I still complement it with my online team but we have a local team and it's becoming like a real local local office there for uh, all kinds of incorporating and banking help and uh, taxes and all that kind of sexy stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I I know that it's kind of a hot topic for a lot of entrepreneurs to bank in Hong Kong or to set up mm-hmm. their business in Hong Kong. So can we discuss mm. some of the advantages and, and even maybe disadvantages of doing that?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I I don't tell everybody to do it. And actually, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, uh, I've been, you know, I try to stay unbiased. But yeah, the banking has gotten really hard around the world with uh, a lot a lot of these uh anti-money laundering and kyc or know your customer uh things and the whole panama leaks so i'm not sure if your listeners are familiar but i recently just released a newsletter about how globalization is under threat it's an economist article uh, i could send you the link it's a long article but it's kind of the idea that governments obviously there's the Donald trump there's brexit there's all these uh Governments around the world are kind of putting their walls up or kind of want to kick people out that they don't think are as valuable or whatever and uh, so that's helped – that's hurt the the banking and uh, so in in Hong Kong, they're really getting much more strict now on having a physical presence in Hong Kong. Uh, So a lot of times now with the banking, we have to really work hard to show a physical presence and I know – Obviously, a lot of your listeners and, and uh, my my listeners and friends are are obviously not living there, so that's become a really big challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides the banking, of course, the beautiful thing is multi currency banking. English, you know, English language uh, jurisdiction because of the UK. So you're in Asia, and you have English English document, legal documents, and, and all your tax documents are in English, and. Uh, Low, low to no tax, uh, depending on how you can qualify. So 15% normally, or or zero, if which is a little bit. If you kind of show your outside of Hong Kong and and this whole offshore thing, and uh, there's just a lot of you know. Plus, it's a respectable place to to do business. You know, to show your address there and and uh, this awesome skyline, and you know, not like saying BVI or offshore island corporation. So you still kind of look. Um, legitimate while you get those benefits of, uh, of uh, lower costs of operating.
0: Now, say you have an Amazon FBA business and you're from the States or Europe, what's the exact benefits? Where do I need to be financially and why would I consider it an option to incorporate in Hong Kong?
1: Well, first of all, Americans and Europeans are not the exact same case. Uh, Americans, okay. Americans uh, have it more more difficult lately i mean we're both americans um but it's much more difficult with the banking and uh back home in america they're making much more difficult for banks around the world so i'm sure our listeners would agree that it's getting more difficult for uh americans get non-american bank accounts and plus when you sign up for amazon fba as a seller central user it's gonna if you try to register as a non-us individual or u.s company it's gonna say do you you know swear you're not american or no no partners over i might get the percent wrong i think it might be 10 percent. I'm, I'm, i might be wrong on a percent but if there's any partner in this company that's an american then you have to file as an american individual or as american-based company so you know that's always a challenge so what some Americans do is still have the American company with the maybe Hong Kong trading company but of course that gets complicated and a little bit more expensive because you have to have multiple businesses for taxes and filing and etc but uh, usually i say maybe as low as 500,000 US a year in sales but more likely a million to make it safe because you will have to have you'll have to come out to Hong Kong for your banking at least once and usually usually it's kind of Recommending to come once a year or so just to kind of check with your. A lot of the banking stuff has to be still done in person. You can do it remotely, but it is a little bit tricky. As well as maybe meet your CPA and your, you know, your accounting situation. But the, the benefits, you know, there's been great presentations. I know we always talk. I always get asked a lot about taxes, but the the idea of having a foreign entity is you can keep your profits um, and basically it's not avoiding the tax individually because, of course, you're a company and a person. So the company can basically, especially if you're buying a lot of inventory like an FBA seller, instead of paying taxes on your profits that year, you can take that profit and reinvest it into inventory to grow your business rather than paying taxes on it. So it's delayed taxes. For you as an American, even okay. as an American, um, but yeah, usually I would say at least five hundred thousand turnover a year, but more likely a million.
0: You've been in China for ten years now, is that correct?
1: Maybe a little bit, a little bit less, more like nine, nine or nine or so. But yeah, get close to ten.
0: What are so some almost of the, a decade. What are some of the benefits of
1: living in China or or Hong Kong? I guess if you're a sucker for punishment, <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of friends that always try to convince me to. To give it, to you know to try somewhere else, um, sometimes I just uh, have you know I spent about a year between the Philippines and China in two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. I was almost out of China. Um, I still had an office in China, but I was uh building up an office in the Philippines for my e-commerce and sourcing and uh, some of us here might not be doing so well, but at the same time we don't want to kind of like go back or leave because it's kind of like letting them letting China win um okay yeah you know, I like the fight I like the I like the hustle I mean I that was attracting me here in the first place was just the, the sheer volume of people and just the feeling of everybody here is trying to make money and everybody here is trying to make a better life for themselves you know you can read some news about you know Chinese maybe Especially in FBA, and there's a lot of FBA sellers upset at Chinese sellers. Some some of them are a little bit. Uh, mm, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, you know, a little bit uh, could be shady, or you know, or, or a little bit uh, fight dirty. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, Chinese are just doing whatever it takes um, to to build and business and to to grow. You know, it's if you look at Chinatowns and in around the world, those are like the hardest working people, right? Like they're like up early and they're like cutting meat and like delivering food and it's just unbelievable so i just like to hustle uh, but of course there's huge opportunities the the market of i was just in a meeting with a, a woman from ecuador i just learned that there's a in like a lot of different south american countries there's like a free visa free they don't even need a visa to come to china um but it also is reciprocal so chinese don't need visas to go to ecuador i just learned that today but she's a uh, She's talking about some kind of breakfast cereal from the Andes Mountains and uh, selling to China and yeah, I mean Chinese are just consumer becoming more and more of a consumer. Um, and uh, there's just opportunities. I mean Chinese, even if you're not in China, you you know by learning Chinese business and Chinese language, Chinese are everywhere around the world. They're traveling everywhere. Um, some of my friends' businesses have. Uh, have services just to help, like American companies attract more Chinese tourists to their their uh, business, to their hotel or to their. So even if you're not in China, um, the time you spend here and your, what you learn you can use around the world. I mean, I don't think Chinese people or Chinese businesses are uh, going down uh, in the foreseeable future. So um, it's a great. I think it's a great uh, opportunity. To, even if you spend, you know, six months to a year here, I think it's a great, a great opportunity. Everyone, even though some people might be a little bit have a little bit bad experiences, you know, there's tons of books and stuff about uh, foreign entrepreneurs in China having trouble. But honestly, it's, I've learned so much here, and it's just uh, motivated me more than ever to uh, respect the game. And uh, sometimes I can get a little bit ahead of these guys. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of
0: visa do you have to to get to live in China long term for an American?
1: For me, there's a few different ways. I mean, I am married, so some people said I could just be a spouse now, but uh, I wasn't. I'm recent, well, four years now, which time's flying, but uh, <laughs> um. Of course there's a, always get married to a local anywhere but I, I still want to be on you know a legal entrepreneur and not a spouse so I of course the short term was I came in on a business visa
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is not you're not technically al- allowed to do earn a income in China legally of course there's tons of entrepreneurs that come here and spend years and years and years on business visas mm-hmm. but that's not really sustainable so what I'm on is uh, I'm on a work permit with a residence visa
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I've I got that about 2009 and I've been renewing it so I opened a Hong Kong company with a Chinese subsidiary because China and Hong Kong are different jurisdictions so so I have a Chinese company and I basically hired myself and I employ myself with a contract and a salary and uh, I sponsored my own visa for uh, employment And uh, I renew it every year, so I have a one-year unlimited stay visa, multiple entry. So a lot of people laugh. I go to Hong Kong like so many times. Maybe I try to reduce it, and actually, that's why it's great. I have a Ray, my my Hong Kong CPA partner, uh, because I don't have to go to Hong Kong as often. But you know, I can go back and forth as much as I want without restriction. And uh, because you do need to get a Hong Kong visa or Hong Kong is different than China for immigration. So,
0: and you guys are running events too. And it looks like you've got the cross border summit and I'm going to butcher this word, Shanghai free trade. Oh summit.
1: yeah. <laughs> Shanghai. Yeah. Shanghai. Yeah. Q is like a CH kind of in Chinese. Yeah. It's and, like Shanghai.
0: And then a Hong Kong trip planned for September. Um, tell us some about some of the, the events and,
1: and trips you're doing. Sure. So, you know, originally the, the whole goal from Asia was to be like, uh, I was trying to follow Pat Flynn and be purely like, you know, ebook and, uh, affiliate marketing. But in Asia, Asia is a little bit premature, I think with, you know, tracking links and stuff like that. And, uh, so, you know, I, we do these physical events, which people really enjoy. So started, uh, started playing with the idea about a year ago. Um, so the Cross Border Summit was the first time in April 2016 a one day event and we had speakers talking about going both ways selling more about e-commerce but you know import export into China as well as out of China and uh and this year will be a two-day event the uh, april 21st and 22nd in shenzhen which is gonna be amazing and we're gonna have one day about importing into china all about that and the second day about all about exporting so like fba from china or hong kong and and uh shopify sites and uh you know e-commerce logistics payments uh, taxes all that all that fun stuff some great great speakers lined up and then we have these smaller trips which you're with that crazy little queue or Mm Tianhai. so these are business trips they're like kind of like day trips where we take like a van of people from like one pickup place and pick them up like 8 a.m and then drop them off like 10 or 11 p.m it's it's intense today intense (laughs) we're Mm -hmm. thinking about changing the model because we're all so exhausted i mean we're all happy but you know we we go visit some companies in the morning, like some we visited warehouse companies at the free trade zone, and then we visit some e-commerce uh, e-commerce companies in the morning. So you just kind of structure we've been figuring out is like morning is touring companies, asking questions, seeing their operations. Lunch together with the other co- with those companies we visited. Afternoon is like seminars, you know, different speakers and you know, like the powerpoints. And then we go into evening mastermind. Obviously it's not a full day like mastermind, but we try to match people up into groups of like four or five over dinner. And, uh, we've been testing different models after evening. Some people just want to do networking. Sometimes we do a little bit of speakers stuff, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in Hong Kong, we, we did a podcast live at the, in front of the group and, uh, a couple of them actually, I was recording as they were talking and, uh, it's fun but it is tiring it's a lot of logistics because we're talking about like multiple pickups in the morning you know mm-hmm. moving people to lunch moving people to another place in the afternoon so we've been trying to simplify it but uh it's it's a lot of fun um and further down on that page is uh, a u.s trip where playing with the idea of bringing chinese executives over to america there's a uh, of course, the the podcast and blog is all English, but there's there's still a lot of Chinese that speak English and want to know more Americans or Western or foreign business people for partnerships and distribution deals. So we're it's a pretty big, pretty big uh, event to organize, uh-huh. um, but we're thinking about uh, bringing people over from China to America, take them to. They all want to go to like Silicon Valley. They all want to go see Amazon and eBay and you know PayPal and all these guys. So we're uh, we're uh, brainstorming that. It's penciled in there, but um, yeah, we're trying trying to find all these different ways. I mean, events are amazing. You know, they're they're powerful ways, right? I mean, the internet's great. I mean, this podcast is amazing, but it's still nothing beats physically seeing somebody right face-to-face maybe vr ar will change that i hope but uh (laughs) it's still nothing like face-to-face
0: mike if somebody wanted to start a podcast on their the country that they're living in or the city that they're living in uh, a a type of business podcast
1: what recommendation would you give them try to just think the hard part is you kind of hit these i'm not sure about you but for me sometimes i get a little drained in the in the middle like you get kind of hyped up when you start one and you get a few podcasts going and then I just love it when I feel really good when I have. I do a weekly podcast. I know you're doing some pretty intense podcasts in here, but uh <laughs> i i I try to stick to weekly Tuesday's ten a m but I definitely recommend picking a schedule mm-hmm. and trying your best to not break it. So there was times I was like rushing to get an interview like three days before. Uh-huh um, so I'd recommend batching them as much as you can at least try to get like a few weeks you know, like say three interviews ahead so that you take off that pressure and uh, the best was go- we talk about events already. I mean going to an event and being a podcaster. I remember I started to go from Asia uh in October and then there was a big invest h k uh a government of uh, events in Hong Kong. And uh, I was already reaching out to them, but they invited me to be a press at a uh, big government meeting. And I was in this like press conference room, like, and I was like this dude with like a, a stickered up laptop and like uh, you know a head a headset and like uh, I I didn't have as much gear before, but like, I was passing the microphone back and forth. But everybody else was still doing text. There was like pretty big magazines, at least lo- regionally. I'm the guy with the microphone. They were, like, impressed. I mm-hmm. was like, you, you use that, you know. Even if you're just some guy in your base mom's basement, <laughs> if you say you're, like, a, a podcaster, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity. There's still a lot of these old traditional media. Like, I think before we were recording, I, I was uh, podcasting at Forbes China, and uh, it got a little bit of money, but uh, it was more about the prestige, you know, because they were so impressed hearing my podcast. Um, and meeting me in Forbes in Shanghai, that they were like, hey, we should try to do this on Forbes because they're also figuring out that, like, text only is not the right way. So by uh, not being sh- – basically back to, you know, recommendations is don't be shy, you know. Say, hey, I'm representing – actually, it's probably good to niche down to, like, a city and just dominate that, you know, like mm-hmm. – uh, um, and – uh i think uh not think a lot of times you think you know something is so obvious sometimes the podcast interviews i've done that i was like man i think this was just too basic or obvious it's crazy but those sometimes get the best feedback and like, i almost <laughs> am embarrassed to, like bring those shows up to me mm-hmm. um and uh but yeah use it as leverage you know put Put it on it. It's always good resume stuff or you know LinkedIn LinkedIn feeder stuff. So um, represent man and just wear that badge and you know your your media now. You can you, you can. Uh, one of my friends started a, uh, he was in Holland and he was in college and he started like a a bar promotion website and he used that to get to like guest lists. You know get you know special lists at bars with like long lines around the block. He could just walk in with his like or like handmade name card that said like a website name on it, you know, like, you know, like Dutch bars or whatever, something.com, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> so he, he leveraged that, you know, and make it happen. Mike,
0: I think we're going to wrap things up there. Is there anything else you would like to share with the audience about business before we sign off?
1: What I've been trying to say lately to people is I talk to a lot of people that contact, contact me Want to set up a business, maybe in Hong Kong or or China or or wherever? Um, and we said earlier, that you know, I said usually you need like five hundred thousand to a million in sales before you do this, and maybe in overseas or international. I think just focusing, even if you set it up in your, like joking before, your mom's basement. You got to start somewhere, and you just even if you use a personal bank account, you know, you, you're just you just you could be sole proprietor anyway, but. A lot of times people get caught up in the tax optimization, you know, of globally optimizing their lemonade stand, you know. Just sell lemonade. Don't, don't worry about the tax. That's stuff you can always figure out later, you know. I think uh, that's something, at least in my world, I, I hear too much people talking to me about and thinking about too much. So it's always best to just focus on your marketing and sales. And uh, you can always optimize your corporate structure as you grow. Great tips, Mike. I appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your specialty. If the listeners want to reach out to you, where's the best place they can get a hold of you at?
1: Sure. Like you mentioned earlier, globalformasia.com and mike's Mike's mikesblog.com.
0: Excellent, my friend. Again, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. We'll sign off for there. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in, and goodbye, everybody.
1: All right. Cheers.
0: the entrepreneur house is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business day-to-day you interact with other driven and smart business people spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the entrepreneur house, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at TheEntrepreneurHouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.